Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. I want to welcome you again to a series that we're calling Jesus Loves Jersey because we're talking about how God has really called us as a church in this place at this time to spread the love of his son Jesus Christ across the Garden State. Uh, last week we acknowledged that the Northeast is sometimes seen as hard ground. Spiritually people are viewed as you know cynical, they're suspicious, or, or they're kind of hardened to the message that God loves them, no strings attached. What are you talking about? It's got to be a string. Forget about it. It's a little bit of that kind of thing going on. But I recently came across a news report that I think shows the Northeast is not as, uh, is not as bad as some make it out to be. Did you see this? It was actually reported in the Boston Globe, uh, which I understand is New England, uh, but it is still the Northeast. And just to be clear, Jesus does not love the Red Sox. It's just a fact. He does not. Uh, I'm just saying. Whoa, hey, wow. <laughs> there, goes our, there goes the Boston like church online population. Right down. But nevertheless, this news article caught my attention because it was a story about amazing grace or, or treating complete strangers with, with kindness and compassion, even when you've been wrong, that you just don't expect to see in the cold and hard Northeast. Apparently, there was this young woman who was engaged to be married, and uh, she and her fiance were scouting out reception locations, and they went to the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston, which is actually a lot like ours. Each of our liquid campuses meet in uh, these kind of you know, upscale hotels, and apparently this one had a very swanky ballroom great food. So the girl and her fiance, they poured over the menu selections. They picked out china and silver for their party, picked out flower arrangements. And apparently they had expensive taste because the bill came to about over $13,000, according to the news report, which again, in New Jersey, probably double. Uh, but you get the idea. And so they write a check for half that amount as down payment for the wedding reception. So they went home, mailed out the announcements. But the day that those invites hit the mailboxes, the groom got cold feet. I'm not so sure. It's a big commitment. You know, let's rethink this. And I can imagine the bride's embarrassment. She's very, you know, hurt, angry. And according to the news report, she went back to the Hyatt to cancel the banquet. And the advance man, you know, manager said, well, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I, we'd love to help, but the contract is binding. And you're only entitled to $1,300 back. She said she wished she could help her. She actually had gone through a broken engagement herself. And she said, I'm sorry, sweetie, you got two... Uh, options here. You either forfeit the rest of the money or you can go ahead with the party. And so the bride-to-be went home in tears, but the next day she wakes up with this growing conviction that she should host the party. Not a wedding banquet, but a big blowout. See, as the news article reported, only 10 years before, this same woman had been living in a homeless shelter. She had actually lived on the street for almost a year. She'd gotten her life back together and actually uh, got a good job, set aside a sizable savings, and this bride had this wild idea of using her savings to treat the down and outs of Boston to a night on the town. So she sent out invitations to rescue missions and homeless shelters all over the city. And according to the Boston Globe, that June, the Hyatt Hotel hosted a party like Boston had never seen before. And that night, waiters wearing tuxedos served hors d'oeuvres 
to bag ladies, to vagrants, to street addicts. The woman actually hired a five-piece band to play swing music. So people who were used to dumpster diving behind the supermarket feasted on filet mignon. And according to the news article, she actually had boneless chicken added to the menu in honor of the groom. So for what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got that? Nice. A little tuttle, little zinger there. So catch this. For one night, people had known only life on the street. Seniors who were like on walkers and crutches, they sipped champagne and ate three-layer wedding cake. For one night only, the last were served as if they were first. And they say the Northeast has no heart, no, no grace. See, folks, I believe if the Spirit of Christ can actually show up in Beantown, then, then there's hope for Jersey too, I suppose. To me, that's a real-life picture of a living illustration of a rare, but I will, I'll be it, it's a living illustration of what Jesus said the kingdom of God was like. It's this, it's this place of joy, of compassion, and actually second chances. The kingdom of grace, according to Jesus, is where the great reversal takes place, where an act of cowardice is not only forgiven, it's not revenged, but it's overcome with radical compassion and love. And the benefits go to those on the fringe, the nobodies, who although they're used to being last in the world, are actually closest to God's heart. You, you don't see grace much in our world nowadays, do you? I mean, whether it's, whether it's Jersey or it's Boston, it's rare. And around Thanksgiving and Christmas, maybe, it sometimes comes on people's radar. They say, oh, we should do something charitable. But what that girl did was so much more than charity, wasn't it? It was grace. That word grace means gift. And what a gift she gave. She not only forgave her fiancé, gave him a little jab, but also extended love to people who couldn't possibly pay her back. Grace is amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's like you know it when you see it. And guys, part of our vision as a church is to grace the garden state with the love of Christ, to really give our neighbors a gift like that that reflects the generosity of their heavenly Father and flood our cities and our hotels with glimmers of grace just like that. We don't want to be a church that's known for charity, but for heart, for radical grace, and live radically as people who have been forgiven, who have been loved at the deepest places of our soul by our Father, and then unleashed to extend that same compassion to those around us who are hurting, who are left out and feel like no one cares. God cares. Christ cares. And that's why we care about our neighbors in need. And on Saturday, December 11th, have a plan to throw them a party like they have never experienced before. I don't know if you know this, but God loves parties, especially ones with a twist. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus spent time teaching his disciples how to throw a great party. You can turn there yourself. It's on page 725. Um, and it's amazing because Jesus did love parties. That may be scandalous to say, but he would constantly was picturing the kingdom of God as a wedding party, as a, as a great feast, as a big banquet. And in Luke 14, we read that Jesus was actually at a dinner party when he saw people kind of jockeying for the best seat at the table. And he kind of rebukes them and basically said, you guys don't know how to party. <laughs> and he gave them this instruction that were what I'd call God's party principles. It says this, Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner... Do not invite your friends, your brothers, or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite who? Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And this is counterintuitive. I mean, that's why a party for the poor makes news, isn't it? 
Colleen and I have attended some parties in our day. When I was a teacher, I used to go to faculty parties, office parties. Maybe you're invited to a holiday party. Um, as Americans, we love parties. But when you're the guy making the guest list, think about this. Who do you typically invite? Who's the default? Usually it's your friends, right? If it's a holiday, okay, your family, some relatives. If it's a block party, you invite your neighbors. Not, not the ones on the other side of the tracks, but the ones up the street whose house is maybe a little bit bigger than yours. Now, why do we do that? Hopefully, because we think, well, I hope they will invite me over to their house when they throw a party. It's human nature for us to pick people and show hospitality to others who are either very much like us or a little bit better than us. It's the American way. But Jesus says here in Luke 14, that's not the kind of party God throws. He says, when you give a banquet, he says, I want you to invite who? The, the poor, the crippled, the lame, people who limp through life, the blind, and you'll be blessed. So the first thing we learn is that, A, God loves to throw parties. But Jesus says, if you're in charge of making the guest list, don't pick your friends or even the economic equivalents. Instead, he says, I want you to play favorites and pick the poor because <laughs> they're God's favorites. Now, why would you do that? Jesus says, because your goal shouldn't be to get something in return. That's not grace. That's payback. Rather, he says, because God has loved you freely, given salvation as a free gift to you, he wants you to pay it forward. So he says, only invite those who can't possibly pay you back. That's grace. And so this we're reading, realize he's talking about party, but it's really a story about salvation. Jesus is making the startling point that we are not saved because we deserve it, but because of the Father's generosity. We don't deserve it. Compared to God, each one of us is actually poor and blind and lame and crippled crippled by whatever you want to call it, sin, selfishness, brokenness. We're separated. We're outside this kingdom. But lucky for us, the kingdom is not about earning or deserving, but what? Believing and receiving God's grace through Jesus Christ. That's what a gift is. You don't pay for it. You only receive it. And that's how we're made right with God. That's why we're here as a family. We believe Jesus died on the cross as a substitute. He, that was me on the cross, but he went in my place and paid for my sin. I receive forgiveness reconciled with God. I actually have a spirit in me now, and I'm going to live in a fundamentally new way. That's salvation. Jesus said it's very hard for rich people to accept salvation. Do you know why? The problem most rich people have is in receiving it is that you actually have to be humble. <laughs> you actually have to acknowledge and see yourself the way God sees you. Do you, see, do you see yourself that way? Look at these words. You see yourself. Would you describe yourself? I'm poor. I'm crippled. I'm lame most days. I'm, I'm, I'm lame and blind. You have to actually acknowledge you're not good enough to earn your way into God's good graces. That's why he sent Jesus as a gift. Humility is the only thing required for us to receive this gift of salvation. Now, this is very, very different than man-made religion, isn't it? <laughs> Which says, you better work it, you better earn your way to God. And when Jesus came with this like upside-down message of grace, people were startled, some of them were thrilled. Look at verse 15, it says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus... Blessed is the man who will eat at this feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, he tells a story, he says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make what? Excuses. The first said, Oh, I've just bought a field. I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. But this, <laughs> and this is kind of funny, uh, because if you've ever been invited to a party and you didn't want to go, 
or you were too busy. Maybe you're going to have that experience, you know. Someone's inviting you to a holiday party, and you're like, oh, I don't, oh gosh, I don't want to go, but I kind of have to go out of obligation and everything. It gets awkward if you say, I can't make it, and they say, how come? And then you've got to come up with this, like, story and tell the host, like, why you can't make it. And Jesus is like, imagine this. God the Father throws a party, and no one wants to come. Everybody is too busy. And you know this, whenever you throw a party, you have to expect excuses as a host. And the first guy, Jesus says, blames his work. He's like, I'm in real estate, I just bought some property, excuse me. The second guy is out shopping, he's like, I'm doing a test drive with some oxen, excuse me. Look at the third guy, because this is the funniest. He doesn't even offer an explanation, he just says, dude, I'm married, I can't come. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a little like inside joke by Jesus, like, welcome to married life, you know, kind of thing. But then he finishes the story this way. He says, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. God gets angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in who? Here it is again, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads, the country lanes, make them come in so that my house will be what? Will be full, I tell you. Not one of these men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. These are God's party principles. <laughs> See, above all else, God wants a full house. You know, a lot of people think God is angry at them and the way that they're failing, and God gets angry in Scripture in this story because he's like, no one wants to come to my party? What's wrong with these people? <laughs> So he invites the nobodies. He invites people on the street. He says, I want you to go out to the roads, to the streets, rural, urban, I don't care, I just want my house full. If people are too busy to taste my grace, fine, let them stay busy, that's their curse. Let them work. But their loss is going to be someone else's gain. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, because they're under no illusions, are they, about their need for, for my generosity, for grace. And I'm going to shower it on them. And, uh, folks, this is a picture of us. This is a picture of us. When Jesus first came, he did not come to New Jersey. He did not bring, uh, come to bring salvation to the good people of the Garden State. He came to bring it to the people of Israel, not New Jersey. But the Jews actually rejected him, and God said, fine. Then I'm going to turn it around and bless the Gentiles, even the Gentiles in New Jersey. And when Jesus died on the cross, salvation was extended to you and me. And now we as followers of Jesus are invited to pay it forward, to actually do the same and demonstrate the compassionate heart of our Father for all people, starting with those, especially with those who are poor, financially crippled, out of work, the lame, people who kind of limp along in life. And God says, I want, I want you to throw them a party and show them the scandal of my grace, my generosity, so they know they're not alone, and that I care through you, and there's a place for them in my house. I want my house full. That's the Father's heart. And he asks us, do you share my heartbeat? Do you share that? Friends, this is exactly what we're going to do on Saturday, December 11th, through Operation Christmas Angel. We are going to show the Father's generous care for families in need, for people who find themselves on the fringe, this Christmas and throw them a party that they won't forget. A party that tangibly illustrates the kingdom of God and shows people who are marginalized and hurting that though the world may have forgotten you, God hasn't by a long shot. And his people haven't either. And this Christmas, just as it was the first Christmas, they are the ones 
who are closest to his heart. what you feel or think of when you think of the Christmas season. Um, typically the malls play frilly music and we say, oh, that first Christmas must have been wonderful. Mary and Jesus, the baby Jesus, the holy family, all is calm and bright. And the truth is this, Jesus was born into poverty. He was, in fact, homeless. Mary was a teen when she became pregnant. She was probably 13 to 15 years old, actually. And God the Father chose migrant workers to witness the birth of his son. That's what shepherds were. They were nobodies. They were undocumented labor, illiterate. They actually weren't trusted in society. And yet, these are the people that God the Father handpicked, the nobodies, the weak, the poor, the powerless, that he hand-selected to bring his son into this world. And it's, it's his way of saying, Emmanuel, I have come to be with you in the most personal way I know how. In Operation Christmas Angel is our chance to be an angel to needy families and children across two New Jersey cities this Christmas. What happened in that hotel in Boston, yeah? A banquet for beggars. The party described here in Luke, a feast for those on the fringe. That's a blueprint for the party that we're going to throw on Saturday, December 11th. As a church, we have arranged to rent out the entire hotel that weekend. And each of our hotels, you may know this, they're kind of business hotels. This is a place of comfort and rest for, quite honestly, privileged travelers during the week. But that weekend, we're going to transform the Hyatt and the Heldrich into this kind of haven of hope for families who are living at or below the poverty line. In New Jersey, the poverty, uh, poverty is defined as for a family of four living on less than $21,000 per year. And it's startling because this year, the child poverty rate in our state has actually increased. Catch this. Right now in New Jersey, one in every eight children belong to a family living in poverty. One in eight. That's tragic. That, that blew my mind when I was like, I cannot believe, the wealthiest state in the Northeast. So we've, we have contacted social service agencies who have helped identify the top 80 families with kids who are either unemployed, in severe debt, sick with medical bills, or simply just unable to provide Christmas for their kids. And what we've done is we've sent invitations to them, to our hotel, to the Hyatt, <laughs> to the Heldrich, to have a party in their honor. And that weekend, we're expecting about 650 moms, dads, single moms, children come through our front doors, and we're going to treat them to a warm and kind of a bountiful brunch with all of the trimmings, great food, a holiday feast. We'll actually share it together. 
And the goal is to match up families in our church with at-risk families in our city and actually just share the love of Christ together. We're going to eat together. We'll, we'll sing together. We actually have Christmas carolers. Uh, Jolly St. Nick is going to make an appearance for the kids. And then after brunch, our goal is very simple. It's to let these families go shopping for brand new gifts for their kids. Gifts that will actually cost them nothing. No strings attached. As you know, this year's Christmas offering is going to purchase thousands of dollars worth of new gifts, things... Can you hear that at all? Come on out here, Buzz. To infinity and beyond. We have thousands of dollars of toys, not just toys, though. We also have winter jackets, hats, coats, gloves, because we believe no child should go without the warmth and love of Christ at Christmas. All of this is free as our gift to them. It's a simple way to support families outside of our church who need help from those of us who are in God's family. You may remember the scene um, from our first ever Christmas. Uh, this was an outreach. We did a coat giveaway in New Brunswick a couple of years ago, and we were inundated with families, many of them immigrants who lined up actually around the city center waiting in line to get a new winter coat for their kids. And I'll never forget that picture in the middle because I'm standing there with the last kid that day who received a winter coat. And uh, you can see it didn't even fit him. It's kind of ridiculous, but it's the last one we had before we ran out of coats. I remember that moment because behind him in line was a girl in a t-shirt and flip-flops. It was 30 degrees and she was seven years old. My daughter's eight. And we ran out of coats. And I remember <clears throat> sorry. I, re I remember saying to myself, this will never happen again. Whatever it takes, as a church, we're not, that's not okay with the Father. We don't believe any child, whether they live in wealth or want, should go without knowing that somebody cares. And at Christmas of all time, so, so we just want to do this in a tangible way to show them there are people who care. There are people actually thinking beyond themselves. And God wants his house full. And so for one day, for one day, people who are usually last in the line at the welfare office get to be first on God's Christmas list. For parents who are out of work and actually can't provide for their kids, we're going to um, actually preserve their dignity. We're not spotlighting them. We're actually going to invite them to come in and hopefully just mix with families. You won't know who's who, but no strings attached. And we need an army of volunteers to sign up and help serve them humbly. We need people who will actually help gift wrap the toys and clothes for their kids because we're going to have hundreds of jackets and clothes and that kind of stuff and toys and all of that. And um, we're going to help the kids who come actually create a, a craft, an ornament kind of for their parents. So, so parents, if you, if, you, if you have kids, I can't think of a better way. Don't listen to my sermons. Teach your kids. Show them the truth that it's better to give than to what? Than, than, than to receive this Christmas. Amen? Does this make sense to anybody? That's, this is when we get to be the church. Not just do church, not just talk about Jesus, but actually throw a party that mirrors the Father's love for all of his children. So 
The question is, how can you help? We actually need um, folks to prepare for our outreach on Saturday the 4th, a week ahead of time, to actually pack Santa's sleigh. We're kind of making this thing a workshop. I don't know where to hang this. I'll just hang it here. Sorry. I'm like, don't know what to do. Um, to build and paint storefronts. We're decorating each hotel kind of like a winter wonderland, so we need people to put tags on presents to pack up crafts for the kids and stuff. On the day of the outreach, the 11th, here's the deal. We have several sh shifts you can choose from. We have some in the morning. We need folks to arrive early to help set up Santa's workshop. We need people who are actually willing to dress up like elves, I've been told. I don't, it's on here. Uh, we need whole families who are willing to share brunch with our guests, and we actually need people who are willing to just, you know, clear plates, serve coffee, pour hot chocolate, uh, we need shopping assistants, people to walk through and say, oh, how old's your kid? Maybe they'd like this kind of thing. Uh, people take photos. We need people to sing carols. That is not me. Uh, we need people willing to actually pray for folks who attend and have needs that go well beyond a jacket. We basically need anyone who is willing to serve Jesus in the form of a little kid or struggling parent. So if you have a heart, we have a place for you. The only thing we don't have a place for are party poopers people who make excuses. If you can't come, that's fine. But we have a huge list of opportunities to make an impact. I'm just looking on this because I asked Mike for a list, Pastor Mike, and I have a note. This is hilarious. It says, we need bilingual elves. <laughs> All right? So this is going to be a diverse crowd. God's family is multilingual. So in a word, Feliz Navidad, okay? You are invited to the party, and we're expecting a big turnout. In fact, Santa is not kind of the guest of honor we're celebrating. Jesus is. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done unto who? Unto, unto me. And it, it's kind of weird if you think about this. The Bible always kind of bakes my potato when I like link up these passages. Because not only do we understand we're, 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 we're doing this in Jesus' honor, it's celebrating his birth. As the church, we're the body of Jesus. And then scripture said God is actually present among the poor. So, so catch this. In some like weird kind of mystical way, it's as if we are being Jesus, his hands and feet, and at the same time, serving Jesus in the faces of the people we're privileged to serve. So, so sign up and pick a shift. Serve with your family or friends or your life group can serve together. And we'll confirm your shift, send you details. But um, guys, in a lot of ways, this is why we exist as a church. It's not just to verbally proclaim, Jesus loves Jersey, but to show his love in word and deed. I'll be candid with you as... Uh, as someone who, you know, as a preacher, somebody who, you know, makes his living through words, I'm always convicted by the question posed in James 2. James says, suppose a, a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm, well fed, God rest you merry gentlemen, but there's nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is, what's the word? Say it together. Dead. Dead. Muerto dead. Christmas is about life. It's about God bringing his life in this world, bringing hope, actually, actually giving the gift of the Father's grace to those who need it most in practical ways. A hot meal, a, a, a warm coat. And this week I was reminded how close to home that hits for, um, for many of us. You guys know this. Every week we give you a connection card. You can write a a prayer request or a need that you have on the back. And we read every one. We have a whole team of volunteers who pray by name for the recipients and the requests that come in. And this week, one prayer request came across my desk that, um, that stopped me in my tracks. It's from last Sunday's service. A woman wrote, please pray for me. I feel like I'm falling apart. I've been unemployed for two years and my husband lost his job recently. We were fighting so much over bills that he has abandoned me now with three kids. 
I just got a job and start Monday, but I feel so helpless. I'm in danger of losing my apartment. I have no heat right now because I'm $1,000 behind in bills. And then she writes, how do I explain to three kids, ages 11, 12, and 15, that this year they will have no Christmas? And then she says, I just need the strength to get through this. Please pray for me. I go to Liquid, but don't know many people in the church yet. Thank you, and God bless you for praying for my family. Folks, there's, there's a time to pray for a miracle, and then there's a time to be the miracle, to actually answer someone's prayer. That time's now. And we are asking you, in light of the gift that God has given you to now give to others, one of the ways you can do that is to give to this year's Christmas offering. 100% of our outreach that we're doing in both cities is being paid for by the year in Christmas offering. We're a tithing church. Every year, we send it out with no return whatsoever. And we're asking everybody who calls this church their home to give a special gift at year's end, above and beyond your regular tithe or offering, so we can be the answer to prayers like this. When I, we've actually already been in touch with our sister. She is elated. She's like, somebody actually reads these? I was like, yeah, we do more than read them. We're going to help. So we care for people in our church who are in need. Last year, we provided Christmas for for over 50 families in our, internally in our church who were unemployed or needed help with bills. But, and it's a game changer for somebody, like my sister, who's right on the edge. That is why we put, um, we put these in December in, uh, in, in your uh, bulletin, a special envelope back. She says, be the miracle. In fact, as a church, we are so committed um, to helping those who are in a vulnerable spot that, in fact, we're giving away all these you know, gifts and clothes and all this stuff before the Christmas offering is fully received. The offering actually closes December 31st, and we're trusting God's going to provide, so we're taking a step of faith financially as a church to serve the people outside our walls on the fringe who can't possibly pay us back because we're not interested in being paid back. We believe God honors that. And I am like, we are not going to run short of coats this year. Not this year. Not this time. Not in this church. Freely we've received. Now freely we give. Amen? I, I, hope, I hope you'll be a part of this. But please do not feel pressured uh, to give out a guilt. This is not a guilt offering. Give out a gratitude. That's what the gospel is. It's like you're gonna, things are going to change when you realize what God's given you. It's going to come out of the overflow of your heart, out of the thankfulness for God's gift of his son, for his gift of salvation. He gives us his spirit, and now he gives us a spiritual family, a family to call home. And now with his spirit in us, it's our chance to be the miracle, the answer to our father's request. What did he say? He said, I want my house full. Liquid Church, if you are ready to party on December 11th, would you say with me, let's fill the house. Let's fill the house. May it be full this Christmas. Pray with me. Jesus, we want to be the answer to your heartbeat, God. I admit my heart grows cold sometimes this time of year just because sometimes it's cliche. I know I should do something, but Father, we don't want to just... We don't want to just give our leftovers. We want to give our best, God. That's, that's what you gave to us. Father, I'm praying right now just for our sister, Lord. It's a privilege to actually help her in our church, um, Father. But I pray she would even get to know others through relationship, Father, as we draw close to her. Father, I pray that there'll be men and women, moms and dads, on December 11th, Father, who will literally, will rub up against them thinking we're being Jesus and we're going to meet you in their face. So it's a privilege. It's a privilege to party with you. 
I thank you for making this the kind of church, calling us to be that light in New Jersey. And I pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified, most of all, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.